0: And welcome to this episode of Boy Trouble, a podcast trying to tell more nuanced stories about boys. I'm your host, Dr. Grace Sharkey. Today, I'm joined by Timothy kazur who is a postdoctoral research associate in the Department of Gender and Cultural Studies at the University of Sydney. He's part of the Affirmative Feminist Boy Studies Group, and he's exploring racialized experiences of boyhood in his research. Thank you for being here, Tim. Thanks, Grace. I will begin by asking you what we ask all our guests. What is your boy trouble?
1: I guess my boy trouble is drawing attention to the unique experiences of racialization that mixed-race Asian boys face. So that's the focus of my research. And I'm mostly looking at Australian examples, but some of my research makes comparisons to Asian-American experiences too. And I need to say that I'm largely looking at mixed-race identities involving white and Asian heritage. In particular, I'm really interested in the interracial dynamics of mixed-race Asian boyhood.
0: Mm, Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by interracial? So
1: interraciality, to use a basic definition, is when something involves different human races. Of course, race isn't real, it's imagined. But people are perceived differently and therefore live differently differently because of the lingering influence of the idea of race. So this process of the idea of race affecting our lives, that's called racialisation. And in my research, I'm interested in the racialised tensions and flows within and between people of different so-called races, especially where mixed-race people are involved.
0: Tim, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by the idea of race not being real? That might be a bit confusing for our listeners.
1: In the past, especially during the colonial era, there were these so-called scientific beliefs about categories of people that were known as race. Uh, but we don't really uh, hold to those ideas anymore. Modern scientists believe that there are just as many genetic um, differences within people of the same race as there are between people of different races. So it's, it's a social construct. It's something that we imagine Um, But it does mean that people hold these ideas of racial differences in their head and people can still be racist because they hold to these notions that there are fundamental differences. And because of that, experience of being raced in the world, we call that process racialization. Interraciality is embedded into mixed-race identity and experience. I'm focused on how mixed-race people live with interraciality through a triangle of identity, family and desire. To state this simply, mixed-race people deal with racial tensions and flows within their own conceptions of self, within the family dynamics they grow up with, and in their romantic desires and relationships. I've left out other social dynamics like friendship and work because they were less of a focus of my case studies, but you could easily include those aspects too.
0: So, having worked with you, Tim, and also having um, been to the pub with you, I know that we both share an interest in psychoanalysis, a word that might instill some fear in our listeners, but I promise that will take you on this journey with us. Um, And so, I can already hear a kind of psychoanalytic tone coming through in the things that you're saying, um, particularly around desire. Can you talk a bit more about the way that you're working with psychoanalytic ideas?
1: I've approached this with a loose psychoanalytic approach drawing largely on the work of writers such as David Eng and Daniel Kim, who use these ideas to examine Asian-American masculinities. I don't see psychoanalysis as a source of truth about human experience, but like Eng and Kim, I'm interested in creatively working with these ideas to show what I think is psychologically unique about being a mixed-race boy. So, as you might imagine, the psychoanalytic material has quite a focus on the Oedipus complex, which to state very simply has to do with the boy's unconscious libidinal or sexual desires for his mother, placing him in competition with his father, who he attempts to surpass in the mother's affections. It's believed that this relationship with the mother and the desire to become or surpass the father is formative in the construction of a boy's identity. And although this is a bit old now, I find Heather Hathaway's study of tragic mulatto narratives from the US really interesting. She highlights, in admittedly dated language, pronounced edible tensions between white slave owner fathers and their illegitimate sons from enslaved mothers. So she says, to kill the father for sleeping with the mother is intensified by the rejection of the black son by the white father because of racial impurities. The violation of identity caused by miscegenation exacerbates edible motivations. So to put this simply, I think she's saying that the psychosexual dynamics within the family that Freud identifies are more pronounced or at least uniquely experienced when those parents are of a different race and i think this work begins to highlight the ways that race affects family dynamics and therefore the identities of mixed race boys
0: yeah it's really interesting tim it's really interesting to think about how those gender dynamics those sexual dynamics interrelate with racial dynamics and how we often don't think about those things. I think often, you know, when we think of Freud, we just sort of think of the default white family where he's doing that work. So unpacking that is, is really rich, I think. I know that you've been working on a particular case study that overlaps with some of my own research about incels. Do you want to tell me a bit about that?
1: So I'm examining the blog of an Asian-American mixed-race figure called Eurasian Tiger. His language is quite hyperbolic and contains some problematic racial, gender and sexual politics. Once upon a time, he was quite active on the subreddit r Huppers that he moderated, he had a YouTube channel, as well as a few different blogs. But I'm trying to think less critically about his angsty, angry Asian male writing and give it an affirmative feminist spin, mainly by highlighting what we can learn about mixed race Asian boyhood from his personal struggles. And although he's American, I think there's plenty we can relate to the Australian experience. And although he's not a boy, per se, he talks a lot about childhood and family dynamics. So his reflections have a lot of relevance for thinking about boyhood. I'll start off with some of his confronting notions, (laughs) and I'll give a content warning here for sexist language. He says in one of his blogs, What a curse to be born out of an Asian woman's vagina! Being born an Asian man out of an Asian woman's vagina is a miserable experience. It's even worse when you're a Eurasian man being born out of an Asian woman's vagina, which is used by white men. Okay, my apologies for that language. (laughs) Um, But from a psychoanalytic perspective, I find this statement pretty fascinating. Um, The tyranny of being born from his mother's vagina that has already been used, as he says, by his white father speaks to a primary concern of Eurasian tigers. That is the unbearable dominance of his white father. Just as Hathaway identifies that miscegenation exacerbates Oedipal motivations, we can see here that Eurasian tigers' antagonism towards his father hinges on his father's whiteness. This edible competition between the father and son may be affected by the fact that the father enjoys the privileges of whiteness where the son may not, or at least not to the same extent.
0: That's really interesting, Tim. It made me think about also some of the recent kind of Andrew Tates of the world, the kind of recent men's rights discourse that I see. A lot of that has been about being a high value man. And it's almost like he resents his father for having a child with an Asian woman because it means he's not the right kind of high-value man, that he's somehow less of a man. So that sort of seems to be coming through here to me.
1: I think there's definitely a way in which he looks up to this version of a man, this sort of ego ideal, if you want to call it, in his father, but he can't quite live up to it. And, you know, maybe for racial reasons, maybe for other reasons as well. And that angst, yeah, it definitely goes into this kind of online space. He was quite a big figure for a lot of that sort of rice cell um, discussion happening online. And so even though he doesn't identify as an incel as such, this writing was quite important in that that sort of Reddit, subreddit. Absolutely. A lot of resentment there, yeah. Yeah. So... Eurasian Tiger frames his own relationship with his father in decidedly racialized terms. He says, For me, colored men obeying paternalistic white men is not an abstract political theory. It's family home life. Accepting my parents as parents means having to accept a white man as a father, having a father-son relationship with the white master. This passage clearly reflects the tragic mulatto archetype that we were talking about earlier connected to the children of white slave masters. Eurasian tiger voices many times over his feeling of being castrated by his racial identity and his parents' races. He also often complains about his mother's and other Asian women's preference for dating white men. Some of his this asian incel or rice-cell discourse is based on a legitimate critique of sexual racism affecting Asian men, You might read a more Oedipal dynamic in Eurasian Tiger's perceived rejection as an Asian boy by a mother who prefers white men. But we have to remember that Eurasian Tiger claims his father is explicitly racist and that his parents are mentally unwell. He himself was clearly not well at the point in time that he was writing this material, as you see quite a bit of suicide ideation in the blog posts. So you can't say that his life is representative of the mixed-race experience, but he points out the interracial dynamics within the family that can be racially charged. Interracial families are not immune to the influence of racial hierarchies that exist in the social world.
0: Mm. And actually, often the family is often a place where those hierarchies play out, right? They play out in the lived experience of, of a family dynamic.
1: They can be, yeah. I try not to say that because people get very offended. Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah, so when I raise this topic, especially yeah. parents of mixed-race children, um, find this a very emotionally charged topic, which right. I totally understand why. Yeah. Um, and they can become quite defensive.
0: Right.
1: Um, but I think that's that's just a reality of having this quite taboo conversation and there are going to be some spiky things that are going to kind of have an emotional effect right. but my hope is that as, ta- as we talk about this further that this can, be- can become less taboo mm. and it can be something that people can talk about and raise mm. whatever concerns they might have.
0: Do you think that people have at times been defensive in talking in those conversations because they feel almost guilt about bringing children up in a dynamic that they're worried will be a site of racial tension?
1: I think that's quite possible. And I think there probably are many discussions that they would have amongst themselves and amongst people that they know about what's the best way to raise a mixed-race child and have different cultures and different languages. And there's a lot of judgment there from lots of different places. And also, I think sometimes we read these statements about racial dynamics within families as a kind of accusation of racism. And that can make people quite touchy as well, especially when you're talking about whiteness um, and the sort of insinuation of racialized desire or yellow fever and this kind of uh, topic, it can be quite um, alarming and, and emotionally charged. So I think that plays into it a bit as well. But my point in raising this is not to say that interracial families are inherently racist, but that Eurasian tiger is struggling to find a language to talk about racialization that affects him and his family is being inflammatory because this topic is taboo and we need to talk more openly about race in the family rather than sweep it under the rug. Mixed-race Asian children are going to need to make sense of race in the world and how it affects them, and those dynamics do often start in the home, as we said.
0: I think that some of the tools that people have for thinking about race in the family are often kind of burdened by this kind of compulsory positivity thinking about Sarah Ahmed's work there. And it makes sense, of course, that being positive is a way to kind of combat racism, right, trying to find the joy and the um, love that can be found in multiculturalism and mixed-race families, um, and I completely understand why that would be kind of a tool to to sort of um, protect yourself. But I think you're also speaking here to the kinds of losses that can happen as well if all you can kind of say is, well, it's great, it's going great, you know. Um, so I think it, I think you're speaking to the fact that, you know, it's, it's important that we have more open and more complicated conversations about race and family and identity.
1: Eurasian Tigers work, as I said, it's intentionally being inflammatory. It's trying to get attention. And in exploring this quite difficult material, I also want to highlight that there is something that we need to draw attention to here. Even though it's uncomfortable (laughs) to talk about, I'm kind of intentionally working with this uncomfortable material so that we can have a measured discussion about what we can learn from mixed-race people's, and especially mixed-race boys' difficult experiences. So I've talked a little bit about family and identity. I want to move to thinking about desire for a moment as well. Because Eurasian Tiger is quite fixated on racialized desire, not just within the family, but in the social world too. As I mentioned, he's very angsty about sexual racism and Asian American women's alleged preference for white men. But he's also at times rather infatuated with white women. Asian women are of zero interest to him, as he says, but white women are God's perfection on earth and the beauty of the West is just a mirror of the blondes who inspired it all, he says. <laughs> uh, and this reminds me of the Martinetian psychoanalyst, philosopher and activist Franz Fanon's claims that sleeping with white women endows whiteness on men of colour. So he says, I wish to be acknowledged not as black but as white. Who but a white woman can do this for me? By loving me, she proves that I am worthy of white love. I am loved like a white man. I am a white man. Her love takes me onto the noble road that leads to total realization. I marry white culture, white beauty, white whiteness. When my restless hands caress those white breasts, they grasp white civilization and dignity and make them mine. (laughs) So we can see through that phrase that That interracial desire is deeply bound up with racial identity for men and boys like Eurasian Tiger. Reconciling the relationship between racial desire and identity is an aspect of growing up a mixed-race Asian boy, and I think these things do need to be talked about more.
0: Eurasian Tiger seems like he has quite a negative perception of his own condition. Are there any more optimistic lessons to learn from his writing?
1: I think there are. Um, and I think there are some alternative ways of thinking about interraciality that are coming out of this material. Interracial relationships can include those racial power dynamics that we talked about, but they can also contain really unique forms of interracial intimacy and boundary crossing that can help us rethink race, sexuality, and even gender in interesting ways. To give one example, in talking about his desire for white women, Eurasian Tiger makes this statement: "I have Asianness and maleness." What is missing in me is the whiteness and the femaleness. As the son of a white man, and Asian female, the white woman was the polar opposite of me. She had both the whiteness and femaleness to free me from the chains of white male, Asian female birth. (laughs) So in that statement, we can see that insecurity about embodying whiteness and a sense of entitlement to white woman coming through. However, there's also an admission of how interracial relationships can blur the boundaries of race between and within people. Eurasian tiger also raises this idea that he has suppressed his own femininity and that a relationship might help him to better access it. And I think it also speaks to this thing that mixed race people do, where they will often stand in for different racial identities depending on the context. Mm -hmm. So they can act really white in this context or act really Asian in this context, and they can jump between different identities in this way. And you can see it racially. and, And to an extent, Eurasian Tigers almost imagining doing this in a gendered way as well. But even if This isn't fully realised in Eurasian Tiger's blog, this is just a clip from one of his blogs. His writing reveals for me a potential for interesting flows in the lives of mixed-race Asian boys between the categories of race, gender and sexuality and these flows are created by the interracial dynamics within family, identity and desire.
0: Thank you so much, Tim. I always learn so much from talking to you and I'm grateful to be having these conversations with you.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's wonderful to join the podcast.
0: That was our Boy Trouble for this week. Thanks for staying with us and for staying with the trouble. We'll be back soon with another episode. And I want to thank Timothy Kazoole-Staines. Boy Trouble is a podcast produced by members of the Feminist Boy Studies Research Group which is a collaboration between the University of Sydney and the University of Technology Sydney. This program was made on the unceded lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. The podcast was produced by Peter Adams from the University of Sydney School of Humanities.